Welcome to Talk About. On Talk About, our goal is to sit down with open-minded people for open and honest discussion. No judgment, no hidden agenda, just getting the conversation started. This week, we're joined by one of my favorite people, the brilliant and thoughtful Tanya Ray. This amazing working professional and mom shares her journeys and observations in the ever-expanding world of parenting. Some great points for first-time parents, people thinking of becoming a parent, or those who already have kids. Sit back and enjoy the show. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. That was up close. That, that was not the face oh, of a caramel gingerbread sip right there. And so what exactly was that that you... <laughs> amaretto um you know i want to be festive um of course this of course and, tis the season whew, yeah mom drinking on a wednesday like <laughs> it's and wild and uh yeah this is uh this is the reason why i wanted to have you on was to talk about mainly parenting so we're off to a blazing start i mean if there's any... i mean i was gonna say what do you want to talk about uh you get it uh, um uh, you did it damn it <laughs> I like it because I feel like we're going to, uh, we're going to pull in the, the real moms immediately. As soon as they hear, you know, mom drinking Wednesday, boom, they're like, yeah, I'm going to sit down for the next hour or so and listen to what these people have to say about parenting and, and, and being a mom. Um, of course, only one of us is going to speak about that. <laughs> I mean, you had a mom, right? So that you can, I definitely had a mom. So you Absolutely. have an opinion on, on moms, right? And you know, I, I do you know moms. So I mean, I've already stated on this on the show several times that I'm a I'm a mama's bo- mama's boy. So, uh, people don't know that by now. That's cool. They'll find out eventually. But, <laughs> and do you feel like there's like a negative connotation um, when you say mama's boy, or do you, or what do you think about that? Well, I think that back in the day. So this is where the interesting thing is, and this is why this conversation is going to be so fun to have com- to talk to you about parenting. Because my era of growing up, absolutely, if I was a kid saying that, a teenager, even a young adult saying that, yeah, yeah, you would be chastised by your friends, you'd be chastised by family, even. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, it was absolutely what it was. Now you say it, it's like wearing a, wearing it like a badge of honor, uh, I find. And, and I find that that's where kind of culture is going in general in terms of these derogatory things being recognized for actually what they are, uh, similar to being smart. You know, it's, uh, it's, now, it's now cool to be smart, but uh, it's, it's kind of even past that stage, I find, in, in terms of there's no real differentiation between people anymore. It's just a matter of being authentic. I'm hoping that's where it's heading. I think that that's what your generation actually kind of started to lift off the ground. Um, I don't know. Do you think that things are heading in that direction? I mean, I would say so. Um, so actually, it's funny because I want to keep asking you questions. <laughs> but, Feel free. Ask away. <laughs> well, I was going to ask, like, do you think it's because of your age now that it's acceptable? Or do you think that um, a teenager now could be called a mama's boy and it would be OK? You know, I think in terms of uh, me personally, it absolutely doesn't make a difference to me how it's received, sure. right? And, and neither has anything for, for quite a long time. And that definitely is the, the age component. I do think though, it's, it's looked upon as being uh, not necessarily favorable, but it's nobody thinks about it. Nobody gives it a second thought. I, I've seen, you know, people my age communicating with their kids and, you know, it seems like everything is wide open for yeah. either discussion or experience, which is a very positive sign because 
you know, not just uh, a little bit younger generations, but my generation seems to be catching on. Don't get me wrong. There's still plenty of people my age or even younger than me that are trapped in that, that thinking. Right. Um, and, and truth be told, I, I don't pretend that I know or feel comfortable and understand everything either. Uh, I feel like I'm still learning about all of this stuff. And, and that's where you and I end up having some great conversations because, you know, you do hang around with different people. You do hang around with people that are slightly younger. You do have uh, associates that are older. And so you get to feel it out from a bunch of different perspectives, which is, is really cool. But you're now having friends. You have friends that are now having kids as well. So you guys are just entering into this fray. I mean, the thing that I love about where you are now is that just just to just to rifle off a couple of your titles uh i mean you're you're an educated and professional person right and you you also are a mom and you also are a wife and those are in no particular order uh but i do think because of all of that experience that you've had and that you're currently having and and are going to have i thought you were the best person to talk to about this because you're 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 one who's going to go out there and get themselves informed about different things. 100%. Now, yes. We had a lot of conversations before you had a child about theories of parenting and you know the the ways that the things that we believe in just for ourselves that often carry over to parenting. But one of the things that I'm really curious to know now, you're a year and a half you probably can give me a, a, a more of an accurate number. No, you're right. 18 months. If you're, 18 months. If you're talking to a mom, 18 months, um, but a okay. year and a half in like non-annoying terms. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I want to be as accurate as possible, which does equal annoying sometimes. Ugh, it, I, I say that because before I was a mom, this kind of just goes maybe into what you're saying slightly, but I never understood that talking in months. Oh God. Like, do I have to do math now? Because I failed math. Um, but when you're a mom or a parent, you totally understand what that means. Like, you know, 12 months to 18 months, big difference. You can't just say a year to, or even 16 months, right? Like I, my child is 16 months. I get it. Four months, my child in that four months is, you know, talking and walking. And so, yeah, when you speak to another parent saying those specific months, big difference, but just like slightly little tiny things that you don't really consider and, and you change because when you become a parent, because you think you, you have no idea until you're in it. You just absolutely have no idea. You think I'm not going to be that mom who lets her kid watch TV. Okay, sure. I'm not going to uh, give my kid the screen, uh, you know, give any screen time, zero screen. Okay, great. Um, yeah, let's see what happens though, when you do become a parent um, or become a parent. And you know what, maybe that's fine. Maybe that does work for, for you. Um, maybe then baby number two comes along and it all changes again um, because you're like, I really, I need five minutes uh, to pee by myself. And yeah, so anyway, I'm going on like a little bit of a side tangent and I didn't let you- No, that's okay. <laughs> no, no, that's that's okay. You gave me a lot of good stuff there. That's Those are those are great jumping off points because now I kind of, I'm starting to fully understand, but just, just so I understand it uh, correctly. So speaking in months is vital, you find, because of that growth in, in yeah. those month periods. I do. Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. I do. So yeah, we're a year and a half in. Uh, lots of things have changed. It's funny because you 
you hear people say, oh, my life is not going to change that much. Impossible, right? You're almost, you almost, I don't want to say shouldn't be a parent, but, and also, I'm also a parent in COVID, right? So yeah. things that might not be difficult, um, like through two or three years ago is now, right? Mm-hmm. Like working from home, also being a parent, tough, tough trying to maintain everything that goes into maintaining a household, like cleaning, right? Like, how am I finding time to do that? I have, I do want to touch if it's okay to return to our conversation about strong or men being mm-hmm. mama's boys. I obviously have a, a son. And so yep. and I hope he's a mama's boy. Like I want him to be living in my house until he's 30 and like totally Okay, I say that, but also at the same time, I know I need to give him tools to become a young, independent man. Ew, I don't oh, want to. Sure. That that sounded like the scripted. That sounded like the scripted answer. That sounded. <laughs> we're getting to the real truth here. Thirty years old. Go on. I'm living in my house. Um, no, not quite. I do to a degree. I also, like I said, to give him the tools to be able to grow and become his own person. You don't need to make your child perfect right? But you, you do need to research and um, read up on things. And it's not just, um, okay, well, here's my child. Oh, they're going through the motions. Sometimes, sure, maybe uh, you can do that. And we, we alluded to this, but in the past, it was perfectly acceptable, let's say, to spank your child, right? Like that was a way of discipline. But I think most people agree that it does more than harm than good. We found new methods uh, to discipline our children and that's working and, and where it's not harming them physically and mentally. Uh, so while um, it may not be how we grew up, maybe, you know, I mean, I wasn't, oh, well, I wasn't spanked by my parents, but you know, maybe our, like your generation or generations. Older, oh yes. Right. So research has showed us, shown us that we need to do more to stop the cycles. So we stop perpetuating that cycle. So I firmly believe that we are responsible for filling in the gaps uh, that schools don't cover. Right. So that's all fundamental things. Like how do we stop? <laughs> this is this is a huge topic and I'm not going to get into this, but for example, how do we stop uh, STEM racism? Well, mm. we can't just teach them a course in school and say, you're good now. Children want to please the ones that they love and who are they? They're your parents typically, right? And so when they hear what we say or what, when they hear what we don't say, they will take that on as their own. That's now mm. part of their identity. And the majority, right? Unless you do some work on yourself. But I had read an open essay once um, from a transgendered person uh, who was enjoying, uh, it was just a stay at a hotel and he was in the elevator and a child said to his mom, her her mom, um, that man is wearing makeup. And, you know, the woman was polite enough and said, yes, some people are different. And initially the, the individual thought, okay, it is what it is. Like they could have just like been disgusted, not had that conversation then and there. Having a conversation then and there is always great. So, you know, you can address what your child is pointing out to you. But 
the word different holds a connotation of you're out of the ordinary, right? You're not like me. And so though that word is a problem sometimes, right? So while the woman, you know, and he's the, the individual wasn't blaming the woman for using that term because again, she addressed it then there, she might not have known how, but this was an educational piece and I found it really interesting, but excuse me, this, the writer suggested the mother could have used the term, um, yes, he's wearing makeup, isn't he beautiful? right? It mm. looks great. And that way it shows our children that everyone is accepted, right? Mm. It's something, but that's, but that's a parent that has to, to do that kind of teaching. And I will stop there because I feel like you probably have some stuff to say, but I also no. have stuff to say about um, boys too. <laughs> no, absolutely. no that, that's amazing. I mean, uh, first of all, just to loop back a little bit, I don't think that you have much, much of a problem in having a, a potential mama's boy on your hand. Uh, I, yeah. I know your husband quite well. I know that uh, even as uh, as different as him and I are, we're both mama's boys and uh, we would do anything for our moms. So I think you're in good shape there. And yeah. plus, you're a pretty freaking awesome person. So oh, well, you know, let, let's just place that out there. I, I really like what you said that about the transgender situation, that there is something that I struggle with a lot. Uh, and this was also tied in with another thing that I struggle with a lot is the not saying no all the time. Right. Now with the transgender situation, I'm a big fan of explaining things to kids, but understanding that, you know, sometimes an elevator conversation about the complexities of such a situation might not be the appropriate time. Sure. So, but coming up with some vernacular in the moment, you know, is, is something that's helpful because I'm sure she's looking at it from the general perspective of things, especially the people that she knows, which is what we refer to more often than not. But in a situation like that, what I'd love to see is just inclusion in that conversation, you know, like just if that person felt comfortable enough to say, oh, do you mind if I, you know, just, you know, say something to that child yeah. or, or something along those lines. But yeah, I think as long as you remain humble about, humble about the situation, then it doesn't have to be awkward and uncomfortable. However, I don't know those terms yet in turn, like in, in the conversation and in the moment like what do you say this is where I'm kind of hoping that society as a whole just remains patient while the rest of us catch up yeah because you and I have had this conversation before about pronouns and it's something that I'm changing it's something that I'm constantly I'm, I'm you know trying to be mindful of but there's going to be times where I'm going to refer to a woman as a woman and a man as a man uh, just based on what I see and what I experience. And that's not meant to offend anybody. And in those moments, they're teachable opportunities, right? Yeah. Just like there is with kids at every turn. So one of the things that I want to focus on, it's not something that you touched on, but it is something that pairs nicely with the gender conversation is in terms of discipline and saying, no, you have a child who's 18 months. He kind of understands what's going on, but it's, you're not going to sit down and explain full situations to him. And he's going to, he's going to articulate everything that you say in those moments where there's like a, a dangerous situation, like maybe at the top of the stairs or around a hot stove. Like I'm, and I'm sure that you've run through all the oh, scenarios. Yeah. <laughs> you know, do you say no? Do you act quickly? Do you say something or, or what do you hope? Let me ask you this. What do you hope you would do and say in that circumstance? Children need to know boundaries. Um, so, or, you know, or, or depends on who you speak to. Boundary is boundary. Or you can call it bumpers. Children will test the boundaries because that's what they need to know. They need to know uh, what, what their limits are. Um, and we need to provide that to them. So 
you know, they're at the top of the stairs, but you repeat yourselves. No, but right. Like everything is a, okay, no, this is dangerous. And I'll explain if you fall down, you'll hurt yourself. Children do hear no a lot right now. Uh, and they will, especially in their toddler years. So there's ways of saying uh, no, no, and right. Like, no, we can't touch the stove. Let's, um, you know, go back and play with your pretend stove and we can pretend make food while mommy makes real food. It's about acknowledging um, what, the, and then they'll test you, right? So you can't, it's also hard because when you have a big reaction, so will they. Um, so if you say, oh my God, you shouldn't do that. Well, then they'll try again, right? Like, wouldn't you? That's like the, that's what they say. And it's true. Like, you're like, oh God, don't taste that beer. It's so gross. Or I've had this conversation recently about candy corn. You know, candy corn has a really bad rap. I love candy corn. And I <laughs> stepped out of the box one day and I was like, I'm going to eat this candy corn. It was the best decision I made in my life. But everyone okay. else says, don't eat the candy corn. And they're mm -hmm. like, okay, well, I guess I'm not going to. No, if you're like me, you're probably going to test that candy corn and you're going to realize it's so tasty. But it's probably parents <laughs> being like, there's so much sugar in this candy corn. You shouldn't be eating it. So I'm just saying kids with any kind of brain will test you um, and as they should right so Absolutely. if you explain like there is of course you have to you have to say no uh but you don't have to have a big reaction basically is what i'm summarizing and you explain why and eventually they will get it like max uh, has a biting problem mm. <laughs> it's not my favorite thing uh and like you should see my husband's arm right? It's oh. bruised all the way up because he gets excited, right? Like he, he doesn't know how to express himself fully. So, well, what do I do? Just say no every time, get angry. No, like instead we'll give him other tools to express himself. And I say, okay, I know you're really excited. Biting hurts people. We can't do that. But what you can do instead is clap your hands if you're excited. Max has started mm. to clap his hands now when he gets excited, but it took Amazing. a very long time to get there and a lot of repetition. And yeah, so here we are. Finally, he's doing things like that. That's amazing. I mean, that that is exactly what you're talking about in giving the tools. And I think that dovetails nicely with the whole big reaction, because one of the things that I've found, and again, this is all still theory for me, you're living it. So you can tell me if your experience has been different. One of the things that I've never liked is when parents overreact to any type of situation because the kid reacts good, bad, or indifferent um, in a lot of circumstances, like the infamous child falling down, right? And the person freaks out. Well, what do you think the child's going to do? They're going to freak yeah. out. 100%. They're going to start bawling their eyes out instead. I mean, not to say you just be cool as a cucumber. If you're, if there's, it's a gash or something like that, like act appropriate, but <laughs> right. th th those, those types of circumstances happen all the time. And, and I think where, again, things have changed so significantly from when I was a child to now, you know, Max being a child is that very much no end the no and the, dis the, the reason as to why. I've always been a big fan of that, like growing up kind of to your point about a kid wanting to do something, if they're told, you know, like, this is scary, but you don't give them any explanation. If you just say no to somebody, if somebody were to have put those candy corn in front of you and just said, don't eat these, Tanya, don't eat them. What are you going to do? A hundred percent sooner. Yeah. 
absolutely. So it's so funny to me because over the years, what, what I've seen, what I've experienced and, and what I feel is, is kind of true. The more parents don't talk and communicate to their children about certain things, age appropriate, I yeah. will add, age appropriate, of course, the more you're setting them up for either A, not asking any questions, which is something that's a huge problem for a topic that you and I hold really near and dear to our hearts, which is critical thinking. Mm. If these kids are not empowered to ask questions, then how the hell are they ever going to learn? Or you have just pushed their growth so far down the road that even if they do break out of their shell, which some, some people do, they break out of their shells later on in life, then that's wonderful. But you still have to undo all of that unnecessary stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, that's, that's why I like your approach of no and understanding that there is circumstances where you say like, no, if you, if you see him smack a child, you got to say no, right? right. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. you're not just going to let him run free smacking kids and biting people's arms. Uh, well, he did bite a kid at daycare. Yeah. I know we were dreading it. Oh. Um, and I mean, we're not at daycare, so we can't, you know, address it at that time. Like we, we had, uh, just chatted about, so we talked about it, you know, we talked about it for a day immediately, uh, when I, uh, picked him up that night, that the next morning, the morning afterwards, you know, and not he hasn't, uh, we haven't received a call from the teacher, but I mean, in that situation, the teacher is responsible to a degree to, to, to rectify the the behavior as well but um now if any other moms are listening i follow um big little feelings they're great they talk about what is that exactly sorry they're they are um i guess they're they're two ladies they're two women who are child psychologists and behavioralists um and they have their own instagram uh and website and whatnot uh, they have a, a whole course that you can take a toddler course on how to address like big issues like tantrums and how to address things. Um, any kind of toddler issue that you, I, was, I say issue, but I put quotations around that because it's all growing and learning, right? So it's not an actual issue like biting. I didn't say, I don't see as a, an issue. It's a behavioral moment, so mm. to speak. He's not going to be a teenager and biting. <laughs> like, it's not gonna happen. I, I would think he would grow out of that. Hopefully, it won't happen. So it's just like a, a thing that he's going through right now. And they're great. They talk about different methods of discipline and what that uh, looks like. I can't remember what they call it, but it's like um, gentle, gentle discipline. And so, you know, you see your child hitting. Let's keep going with that one. You take them aside and have that conversation. Um, I see you're frustrated or you want that toy or you're excited and you want to play with that individual. That individual doesn't want to play with you right now. Let's go over here and play with, you know, X, Y, and Z. They also uh, have a really great quote, the same folks um, that say escalated parents can't calm down an escalated child. Oh, makes sense. Right. Because you're going to um, mirror and mimic what you say and do. Again, they're your favorite people. So they're going to just do what they see and how what they what they know and they see you every single day. So of course they're going to act that same way. Uh, I should say at the same time, you need to talk to that child who was just bit. <laughs> because I laugh, it's not funny. Um, because they have feelings too, right? Like they were just yeah. bit. Yeah. They need to, you know, they need a, their feelings acknowledged, um, which is, again, what these these uh, ladies say. 
acknowledge their feelings and uh, validate them, you know, and this kind of goes back into boys and boys crying and validating, you know, we've heard so much, oh, um, big boys don't cry and um, what, like name it, right? Like about um, yeah. toxic masculinity. Uh, no, instead you say, it's okay to cry. Validating what they're feeling, uh, normalizing it, and then also providing a solution. So do you want to hug, right? What make what will make you feel better? And then the flip side, if, you know, we've tried this a lot with uh, Max and the biting, but really want to get off the freaking topic of biting because he's not doing it right now. So, but, but it's my example that I have. Um, where, you know, this kind of ties into two things, but also um, physical touch, totally up to the child is, is up to me, uh, or is, is my opinion. But um, if you say, okay, what do you think will make them feel better, right? Like, instead of giving a hug, maybe they don't want to give a hug, because they don't, they're, they don't feel comfortable hugging that individual. Um, okay, so what do you think will make them feel better? Oh, well, here's my toy. Great. Mm-hmm. Perfect. That's a, a great example. But again, now to flip back into masculinity, I think we need to let boys cry, let them and embrace it and, and create a self-aware generation with emotionally expressive and empathetic men. That alone, I truly feel not alone, but one of the biggest components to breaking the barriers with women and men men typically as we know hold positions of power um the majority of the time over females i hope that's that changes in my lifetime but creating that and instilling that in men when they're young i feel like that they will carry that forward and they will be that leader um that we all want and to see in the world yeah i mean i agree because i think that a lot of that has to do with ego right and whether it's male ego or female ego in this instance we're talking about male ego and if that if that's enforced at home or through the examples that that child's seeing of course they're they're going to hold other people down and generally it's been more so because the person is not confident in and of themselves you know yeah. and i think that a lot of that that definitely starts if you can communicate yourself freely and openly um that's going to go a long way how do you skirt the issue of express allowing the, the child to express themselves and and you communicating with them but not not trying to create a situation or over explain or you know kind of hit the point and be age appropriate i mean there's so mm-hmm. many things especially at 18 months that are going through your head as a parent like do you just feel it out in the moment do you do you prep yourself ahead of time by listening to these, you know, to, to different experts and reading different things? Like, how do you prepare yourself for that? Me personally? Yes. Right. And, and to go back to what I said at the beginning, the very first thing I said is parenting takes work. What that means for different people will be different things. For me, it was preparing myself as to uh, how I'm going to handle situations with him because I want him to be a confident individual, but I also want him to be a, a male feminist and be an ally to females, which I feel like is a very important thing and a, a big way, like I said, to break down those uh, barriers. I also want him to be, you know, an ally to, to everybody um, with uh, any person, person of color or individuals with disabilities. These are the things I want. I mean, I uh, went to school, did my undergrad in social work, and things that I wasn't necessarily taught until I went to university. Mm. University, you're 20, right? That's 20 whole years, two decades 
of not really being taught that or realizing that. I'm not blaming my parents. I'm saying this was something that um, they didn't necessarily know. They weren't brought up. Uh, they weren't taught this. And But I do know better. So therefore, I'm going to teach my son better, right? Like, don't we all want better for our children? <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's, what, that's what the hope is. Just like next generation continues to get a little bit better and evolves a little bit more, right? Exactly. But I think people are, maybe not. I, I, was, I'm, I was about to generalize. I was going to say people thought, okay, well, hitting is the worst and now we're not hitting so much. So we're okay now. But mm-hmm. I think people are understanding that there's more um, to that, to building a confident individual. But yes, resources are so important because I don't know, right? Like both before I had, I had no idea. How do we, how do you talk to a child to say, mommy and daddy are having a conversation right now um, about politics and therefore like, no, they don't understand. They don't get that. But what works for one individual won't work for everybody, right? Like all children, all humans are different. Therefore, mm-hmm. all children are different, right? We are all different. So, um, and this kind of goes to everything. People will, children will walk at different ages. They'll talk at different ages. They will behave differently. Some children will need um, sleep training. They call it some people, some children won't. Some uh, children can't sleep unless they are laying on you like Max did for 12 months. Some children can, right? Like it's totally fine. And once you start saying, well, this child shouldn't be doing this, then you're blaming the child, which is not fair. They're new to this world. And you're also blaming the parent. And don't we have enough going on? Like, there's so much in the world that is not fair. I, I don't judge, right? I say that I do. <laughs> um, if you're going to put your child in, at risk in any way, right? If you're going to put them in harm or um, or put their life at risk, then a hundred percent I will judge you um, because you're you're doing it wrong, right? Otherwise, you know, like I said at the beginning, if you need uh, to put your child in front of the TV watching Sesame Street while you do the dishes, I'm talking about myself. Then that's going to have to that's going to happen. It doesn't make you a terrible parent. It's it, like that doesn't no. do it. I, uh, I agree with you. I, I think it's what you do the majority of the time, not in the instance. I mean, like I was blown away and I, I told you, uh, told you this when I went over there, this was pre-COVID where you can actually, you know, have people in the house. Actually, I think it might've been right around it. I don't know anyways, but you guys were doing bath time and you had your ritual of bath time with the music on and, you know, mom and dad were there and it was a fully engaged experience. You know, those, and I I commended you guys on that because I've been around a lot of parents and not because they were bad parents. Maybe they just didn't know any, any better. Maybe they hadn't had the tools. There's any litany of reasons why, Um, but not a lot of people would be that engaged, you know, doing baby exercises, you know, making sure that they're, you know, he's growing at at a good pace. Um, Has there been anything that you envisioned before becoming a mom that hasn't come to pass some theory that you thought mm-hmm. I'm going to do it this way. And then in practice, you're like, well, that's out the window. That's, that's not happening. Or mm-hmm. conversely, has there been anything that has surprised you? Um, you know, now 18 months in that you're like, I never saw that coming. That's well, those are loaded. Can you say everything? <laughs> <laughs> you can. I think it would apply. <laughs> yeah. Like that's how it feels. 
I would say milestones, right? Like um, everyone's so fixated on the milestones that we all know, rolling, mm. crawling, walking, talking. Max was a little behind on all of those things um, because he was smaller. Um, he didn't have as much strength. And so we had to, you know, um, see a physio and get him working. And so that took work. I'll just put that out there. Something I didn't anticipate, um, mm -hmm. thinking that I needed to actually physically put my son in different positions in order for him to know how to get to those stages. So those are the big milestones. I didn't understand many milestones were a thing like, um, reaching out in front of you. That oh. is part of getting your core uh, up and engaged and reaching to the different toys around you so you can you know start feeling what movement feels like standing up and down right like squatting that's a mini milestone who knew right like who knew until i was absolutely in it yeah so those i guess things were were shocking i don't know if that no that's great that's okay. great because i think what what i'm kind of after there is i'm sure every parent goes through different things especially with covid as a, as the caveat which it is in all of our conversations now but the fact that it can feel very isolating being a parent, even without COVID. I mean, like you said, it takes a lot of work if you're dedicated to it, which most parents are. It takes a lot of time, a lot of effort. So that cocoon just be, forms anyways, yeah. but uh, COVID just kind of complicates that. So I want, I want people to know that as a new parent, like they're not alone. These, these oh, things God. come up. I, I've been around so many new parents. I've never had a new parent that I've known go through what you just explained? I mean, everybody has their thing, right? Uh, not all pregnancies are easy. Not all childbirths are easy. Not all milestones are easy. Um, some child can get cancer. There's so many things that can happen um, in life that are terrible and you don't anticipate it. And that is even more isolating, right? Like when there's things that are very difficult, like for me, of course, what I was going through at that time, I felt was difficult because I, I hadn't raised a child before, right? So these were my feelings and they were valid. I I felt it was difficult. Some, some moms, even just um, the idea of breastfeeding is, is really difficult for, for folks. Part of what you are able to do and what you're and that's fine, right? Like it's also because again, it's very isolating, like waking up with Max every 40 minutes to two hours, exhausting. It's just me and him, like it, that alone, very isolating. So when moms say I'm going to give them formula so my husband can feed them or my mom can come over and feed them in the middle of the night so I can sleep for three hours uh, in a row, totally get it, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, there, there's a whole thing about, you know, breast is best. I, again, I'm a, I, Max is a breastfed baby for, uh, I don't even know, 15, 16 months, 15 months. I don't know. You know, the things, they, the time goes out the window yeah. uh, when it comes to yourself. I still get it, right? Like I, I tried really hard, right? I wanted to make sure that Max was breastfed. Uh, it was a goal of mine um, because I personally wasn't breastfed and I was sick a lot as a kid. And to me and the research I did, I felt like I was sick a lot because I wasn't breastfed. Probably, probably not even 100% right. Could have been the smokers around me. Uh, most likely that was the big reason. Maybe Could I had, contributed. Yeah, right? Maybe I had undetected allergies. I had no idea. But to me, that's why I felt it was important. important and I, And that's why I did it.
again, I don't judge you if you don't. That's not you putting your child at risk to me. Um, so that's a whole thing that I just went off on. That's but, perfect. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's that's awesome. I th- I think it's interesting because. And a lot of the research that I've done uh, over the years, because, you know, parenting has always been fascinating to me. People are fascinating to me, but parenting, I think is just, I've got a ton of opinion on it, uh, as you know, uh, overhearing my theories over the years. But it's also one of these things that everybody does have an opinion on because it, it's it's a profession. Like it's it's a oh, full-time yeah. job as a parent, as you can, yeah. as you can attest to. So there's all these theories that come out and it is unbelievable to me. Like, information is great information is gold and knowledge is power all those good things to say but there's so many theories out there that find the thing that works the best for you in your situation and just do it you know if your kid is having a hard time sleeping and and sleeping with you helps you all because being sleep deprived is is no joke something that's gonna mess with your head you know so you just have to do what you have to do to survive sometimes right yep a hundred percent i i say this and like co-sleeping do what you need to but also be aware that probably don't have sheets on your bed like that's also putting your child at risk um my i'll say friend uh was on tiktok and she had seen you know went to bed with her daughter uh woke up and her daughter was dead in the sheets because she got herself tangled so yeah if it's something that works 100 do what you need to but know the risks uh, when it comes to certain things. Yeah, because they also say uh, back is best for babies to, to lay on their back um, because it ca- it's um, the position that least um, causes SIDS. Some babies are like, okay, I hate my back. I can only sleep on my belly. Well, yeah, okay, but you can't roll over yet. <laughs> so there's not. But also, you know, some parents are like, I just have to put them on uh, their belly. And so, you know, watching what that looks like, making sure their face is turned out again, maybe waiting until that they can, they can actually roll over before you do that and they're not swaddled. But yeah, these are just some things where if you're going to make certain decisions uh, that could be risky, knowing what that could look like and uh, making it as least I'm not a parenting expert and uh, don't like take any of my advice if, you know, but I'm just saying like maybe chat with somebody who is an expert before making potentially risky decisions. But you're speaking from experience though. And that, that to me holds a lot of water and, you know, you would hope that people would cross-reference things. I know that we are in a day and age where information is at our fingertips and the first hot read and first hot take is what most people go with, but, you know, just do your due diligence. But I like the fact that you brought up uh, risk, risk when it comes to kids and, and risk factors and stuff like that. Um, Cause that kind of goes into what you expose your child to. And one of the things that we started to talk about uh, the other day that kind of got us both jacked up was gender neutral toys and, and gender stereotypes in terms of toys. And what kind of comes into that equation is things like, you know, toy guns for boys, even for girls, but notoriously for boys, uh, generally speaking, and then video games, uh, violence, movies, shows, all that kind of stuff. And, and now we're kind of getting into the territory of what do you expose your child to? What don't you expose your child to? especially if you have a certain way of living, if you're a gamer yourself, or if you watch violent things um, or, or any of those types of things, like 
what what is your feeling let's start with um let's start with violence in movies and shows i think that's a good place to start what are your and feelings and thoughts on that oh yeah overall or exposing my child to it well overall because i think you probably had the theory a lot longer than you've had the the practical experience and that's going to change so much you know the past like especially as he gets a little bit older and sure. wants to explore different things and you want him to explore different things. So let's start with what you thought initially um, as, as a parent and violence in, in movies and shows and how it's depicted in, in culture, really. Sure. You and I talk about movies all the time, right? Mm -hmm. And in violence and movies and shows are uh, getting, is just getting more and more, right? It's because the shock value is no longer there. They need to do more to keep you entertained, to keep you engaged, because I mean, you can go on social media and see some of the most gruesome, heinous things, and you almost don't blink an eye anymore. And it's because I think it's because people are desensitized to what they're seeing in movies and in, in different shows. Um, and sometimes people, it's hard to tell what is real and fake anymore and some people I've also noticed uh you know you'll see that you know whatever that video is that you'll see um on social media going viral and you don't have feelings around it mm. anymore that's a problem mm -hmm. right like to a degree there are going to be people who can turn that off who can who can say I know this is not real there's some people most I would think if you watch things like that over and over again, you're, you, and I say watch things, but also you're a gamer and my husband's a gamer. So also my, <laughs> I should, I, well, anyway, my husband has night terrors. Uh, has he, has he since playing games right before bed? No. Are they a hundred percent correlated? Maybe not. May, you know, there's also stress that plays into to things like that, but I always say, don't watch you know, murder shows and don't like go playing Call of Duty or whatever right before bed um, because your brain is still active, right? Like you can't just, unless you're me and you, you know, for some reason, or you're a mom, uh, you hit the pillow and you're out for the night. Um, it takes a while for, for your brain to just, you know, uh, go into prepared sleep. And if you're doing those things right before trying to sleep, uh, it's going to, it's going to be the last thing you think about first thing you think about in the morning too. And all the time, it can't be good, right? Like you're programming uh, your brain. I mean, you have to, there's a level of programming for sure. Absolutely. I watched, uh, that gosh, I don't remember what it was like a documentary on Netflix that talked about games, um, and the progression of games over time. Fat, mm -hmm. Very interesting. That wasn't um, console wars, was it? No, it's a different one. I, I, I know. Uh, yeah. Okay. Anyways, uh, but it was really interesting because it talked about, um, you know, like the, was it like the two bit, you know, beep, beep, like those like little things and how it got, uh, once they started with Mortal Kombat and what was the other one? Street Fighter. Fighter. It became crazy from there, right? Like it was like all about fighting and making it more realistic. And then there was this weird game where there was like a break in and they were like, what the heck? And that like was totally banned, that weird game um, because it was too realistic. And meanwhile, you see the, the games that people play now and that's like even way more realistic. But, you know, when I was growing up, Eminem was the really big uh, rap rapper the time and he would say okay like what I'm rapping about is is that what's really causing them to 
shoot up their schools because that was really big um or is that what's causing them to to i mean lose their shit essentially um and at the time when i was a teenager i was like no and as a parent i'm like yeah <laughs> it is i think because uh, like if you if that's all you're doing all the time mm-hmm right? Like anything, if you are practicing piano all the time, you're going to be hundred percent, like you're going to be great at it. If you're practicing anything all the time or seeing something all the time, that's just going to be part of you. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you're exposed to anything and you know that that's an outlet uh, and it's, it's the right ingredients, right? Because I think the thing that I've always found interesting and it's, it's so unfair, but I find it more and more true as every day goes by. If you have a a household that doesn't monitor to a degree and doesn't have open discussions and doesn't provide an opportunity for learning, then you, you are missing an opportunity to, to guide them in the right direction. Totally. You know, I, I mean, everybody has their issues and there's certain things that, you know, doesn't make a difference what a parent did that that kid might've had every opportunity in the world. And the, the point, the point I think that I'm trying to get to is that it's unfair, but kind of true that all your negative attributes can be blamed on your parents because whether they, whether they do or don't, they're the ones that are held responsible. And, and that's not, it's not a fair thing to say, but you know, and they're doing the best that they can, but if you are just openly letting them, like, that's where I think kind of being a best friend to your child mm. is, I mean, it's a lofty goal and I think it's well-meaning, but I don't think that you can be your child's best friend in, in my opinion. Yeah, I think, um, I think you're right. That is the goal. I think there's going to be things that your child's not going to want to talk to you about no matter what, right? Like you're going to want them to tell you things and they may, and you know what, you may have the best relationship out there They they may tell you everything that they do, but once they go to school, they're with their friends the majority of the day. Those people will become their best friends and they will know who your crush is and all the notes that you pass over. I don't know, do kids do that anymore? Um, they probably just text one another. <laughs> Which anyway. it still amazes me that I think they just now announced like not too long ago that they were going to be removing cell phones from the classroom which I don't even know how that was even a discussion. Uh, we couldn't even bring a calculator in to most classes unless it was advanced math Ugh. and these kids are just bringing their cell phones that blows anyways that that kind of blows my mind but that's probably what they're doing in lieu of notes <laughs> uh, yeah exactly yeah yeah but like so I feel like I don't know I think you can be a great friend I don't know if you can be their number one best friend I mm-hmm. think that they will like for for those teenage years I want to say I think maybe later on I think, Mm -hmm. I think it's very fair to be like, my dad's my best friend or my mom's my best friend. But I think in those weird teen years, I don't know. I don't know if they'll consider that too, but I think maybe the ultimate goal. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's possible, but, um, but not during like these game playing years because, um, and now you, you chatted, you spoke about um, cell phones and we both watched the social dilemma. Yes, we did. I feel like, and this is this is something that I had known um, about from before, but 
cell phones, I think, are the most dangerous thing. Um, not cell phones themselves, like, you know, of course they have like, you know, batteries and stuff that are dangerous. <laughs> but I yeah. feel like social media um, is yeah. the, and the, the movie itself shows you the data and how it's just continuously rising, what, like 2 billion percent of um, teenagers or preteens killing themselves or harming themselves um, because they don't, you know, you see a filter and you want to, to, to look like that filter or, you know, you have all the, the dopamine that comes from liking or getting likes and getting comments on your photos. That's my scariest thing. I feel like almost go ahead and play games because don't yeah. go on social media. This is one of the things that I was thinking about when I was watching that documentary. First of all, I was thinking to myself, of course, like if you're, if you're, if you knew of social media, you've had your history with social media. There's just, of course, guys, like just have half a brain. However, if you're brought up in that era, that's all you know. Like, yeah. again, that benefit of, of us not kind of growing up in an era where social media was the main thing, you can kind of differentiate that. It's almost like uh, remembering when shopping malls and stuff like that were closed on Sundays. And so when, co when COVID first hit, I was like, yeah, so places are closed. I, it's okay. I don't need to go shopping every yeah. single day. But, but yeah, if you only know that it's, it's terrifying and you're right, the data is, is in, I mean, the data has been in the beautiful thing about how quickly this social media thing has risen is that the data has come in even faster. And that's where we are as a society is that all the data is coming in quickly. This has been talked about for years. I mean, the one guy, Jonathan Hyde, uh, his last name is weird. He does a lot of research with child development. I think I spoke with you about him before. He was the one that lives in New York City and his seven or eight-year-old daughter, had, they gave, him a, gave her a cell phone and they allow her to walk around New York City. Right. And, and that's something he's like, most people are like, that's crazy. Like, you can't let your kid walk around New York City. But he feels like they have educated her. She knows her way around. She has a cell phone. She has to live and she has to learn. Now, just gearing away from social media for a quick second, how the, how do you as a parent kind of make peace with that? Allowing, I, and this is getting a little bit ahead because 18 months, but, you know, before you know it, he's, he's going to have these opportunities, right? And it's not the same as it was, uh, you know, again, it's been documented for different reasons and different theories that going outside playing by yourself is not really a thing that kids do anymore. What are your feelings on that? Do you think that um, you want to give them that space to be able to grow as a, as a person? Or are there certain things that you just written off been like, nope, that's not happening, not on my watch. I know, right? Like I want to, of course, yeah. of course, right? Like that's how you build confidence and uh, and trust, right? So they feel like, oh, my mom trusts me so I can be outside. I also know that kind of going back to what we were just talking about, where people are desensitized to certain things and, you know, picking up a child is nothing. A, B, a lot of child rapes went undetected for so many years and people didn't talk about that. So how do I know that, you know, if I let my child out by himself, he will be raped um, and then not tell me about it, uh, which, sure. right, because it's something that uh, was undetected for, for so long. I mean, again, teaching certain things, but can you, you I mean, a man, uh, an adult versus a child, like who's going to win? Mm -hmm. So those are two things that I, and two big reasons why I feel like it's 
easier said than done uh, for someone like me. So while I'd like to, um, <laughs> right now, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I can't, I can't see. I mean, people uh, like moms get the, or dads get the uh, negative uh, term helicopter parent. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, first of all, sometimes they might need that because they may be a biter. <laughs> you're the one that brought it up. I know. By the way, I like to just go on record as saying this. You're the one that brought it up. Yeah, being a sure did. I definitely did. I definitely did. So two things. One, my definition of a hel- helicopter parent is the one that dotes on their child. That to me is a little bit different than a parent who's just around their child. Sure. Uh, being around their child, I think makes sense because that child hasn't driven themselves to the park. And that child might not, you know, when they, you know what I mean? So there's some things that's, it's valuable. But the other thing is it's gotta be fear driven, right? Like, and again, you know, it's one of those things that in your example, you know, a child being picked up, anything happens, anything happens to that child. The data is there that the likelihood of these things happening and the amount of cases and so on. Sure. They're small, but if that happens to be your child in that one circumstance, your life is done. Your life is, it's gotta be, it's done, right? So so what's, I, I wanna say what's the harm in being around your child? Because I do think you can be at a healthy distance. I don't think that you need to be, you know, hanging over top of them. I think you can go to a park and you can bring your book with you and you can look up every once in a while and you can see, or you can hang out with the other parents. But it seems as though, and and coupling with what you said, it's fear. Fear is the biggest factor. And, and it's kind of interesting because when you hear about all of these things, right? Like I was, I'm reading this book, um, Freakonomics, and they break down. I don't know if you've ever heard of it or read it. Yeah, it's, it, have you read it? No. Oh, you've heard of it, okay. No, sorry. No, no, that's totally fine. I, I'm, I'm not gonna quote anything from it. It's, it's a fascinating book because they do look at breaking down the numbers, right, of, of everything. And one of the chapters that I'm just reading right now is uh, Do Parents Matter? Okay. That's what they're exploring. And so they go through all of the things. And one of the examples that they talk about is uh, a parent who won't let their child go to play at their friend's place because they know that their parents own a gun. It's obviously an American book but they have no problems with letting them go to play at their other friend's place who has an outdoor pool. And of course you see where I'm going with this and the way that they set it up and, and there's more deaths that happen, accidental drownings and, and, you know, well-documented and less children getting, getting shot accidentally by a gun. Again, big caveat to that though, is first of all, the gruesomeness factor of a child dying by gun I couldn't, couldn't even imagine it. The other thing falls under a category of accident. The one falls under like gruesome and preventable. Mm, right? yeah, and, and, and being like a good parent, like you, you think you're being a good parent by setting good standards, but I don't know. It's, it's a fascinating thing in terms of uh, allowing your child to kind of grow a little bit and, and being comfortable in that. But I still, I think it's just a different time. I don't think that there's anything wrong with being around your child as they're growing up. I can't, I can't imagine why, right? Like, unless they're like, oh, my mom has to come. I mean, I've talked about, you know, um, my friends talk about sleepovers and how even that's risky because as much as I can say, I know I've met that dad or mom, is that enough? 
is that enough? Because do you know their past? Like the the numbers, if we're going to talk about that, of individuals who have been, you know, um, abused sexually by their parents or, you know, loved ones are shocking. They're actually shocking. So typically, you know, that's how the cycle perpetuates. And so I don't know you. I don't know your past. Uh, I don't know who your family is. And I don't know if I'm comfortable with that, right? Like, that's not enough for me. Also, to speak to that is, you know, boys are freaking gruesome. They can, I mean, (laughs) they can be really rough. And I know, you know, Max will not be the biggest kid in his class, most likely. And I, that worries me even to say like, he, he may be the kid who's picked on, right? Like he might be the, the short kid or, you know, the skinny kid or whatever, who is the easy target. I hope Mm. not. Again, I hope I I provide him with with enough confidence where he doesn't, you never know, because if he's, you know, super smart, then those two things kind of play against him and then that's it. But so I don't know. And you think about the kids at um, St. Michael's, the all boys school where they were like raping one another, Mm. raping children essentially Mm -hmm. with, uh, and they were boys and they were little Mm. boys. I don't understand. So, you know, also as a parent this day, you have access to way more information because of social media. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's great. It's also terrible. Um, And it's like, okay, well, I don't know what to do, right? I don't know whether I should just let my child go outside and play or if I should watch every step because they're not fully formed yet and they might need guidance it's a valid point i mean we're the most vulnerable species uh for you know the first few years of our lives that's that's been pretty well documented right so going outside I, i i don't blame somebody for not doing that however outside is now in the doors right now outside is now in your bedroom with the social media and going back to social dilemma and going back to these, these smartphones, how do you even put yourself in a position when he gets a little bit older, when his kids or when his friends, because his parents maybe don't view things the same way as you. And this is, this is actually going to be an overarching theme uh, to toys as well. And also just frame of mind is once things are out of your control, which let's be honest, most things are out of our control as human beings, but as parents, even more things seem out of your control. Oh, so once he gets to a stage where smartphones become the thing or whatever it's going to be in five years, because the social media is not going anywhere, right? The genie's out of the bottle. They've acknowledged that there is some benefit if people could use it that way. It's just that most people resort to using things in the most obscure, unproductive ways possible. How the hell do you even put yourself in that position? How do you handle that? What are your, do you have any, I'm sure you had thoughts when you were watching Social Dilemma. I mean, don't have social media. So I mean, back to what I said at the beginning, children will emulate their parents. And Chris and I both don't have Facebook. We're limited users on Instagram. We like use Snapchat as filters for Max because it's funny. They are hilarious. that's pretty much right. Like they're, they're, they are pretty hilarious, especially like, because the first one he ever learned was the dog one. And he always opens his mouth. And now to this very day, every time he sees a filter, he opens his mouth because he thinks something's going to happen. <laughs> I digress. 
So I think me, myself, and like not putting a ton of value into social media is a good first step. However, like I also said, Max will spend the majority of his time with like his peers at school. And yeah, maybe he will be made fun of uh, for not having a phone. It's, uh, I guess I'll have to see when I get there. Um, that's almost a cop out of an answer, but doing, I mean, and Chris is really great my husband, um, in knowing technology and knowing, like keeping stuff up, like for, for as limited as we are with social media, he's pretty aware, which is great. I didn't, we didn't have a computer in our house until it was like, I was a young adult. Yeah. Like I was like probably 18, 19, like, yeah, that's a lot of years again, without a computer. So, you know, it's not my biggest strong suit. My dad literally just learned how to use a computer. And to this day, he'll still ask me to write an email. No problem. Like I don't fault him for it because he's never had to. Um, mm. But I'm just using it as an example as to how far we're, we're coming. So, um, so Chris is much more savvy than I am. And, uh, and he'll be able to put whatever locks that need to happen on the phone. So I know that um, you can see literally everything. You almost can mirror um, your child. I, I have my phone beside me. Isn't that disgusting? Ugh. Put it right over here where you can see everything. Every text that's sent out. Every minute that's on um, Instagram, it'll like notify you, oh, your child's on Instagram or uh, you can monitor their email. You can literally watch everything that they do. That's probably the only way that it could happen. I mean, I say that. And if Max is also savvy enough, he'll figure out how to, you know, remove that from his phone. But yeah, just knowing what those protections are also limiting. So you can see how much usage you've like, how many, how much time you spent on whatever X, Y, and Z app, limiting that, checking how, how much, and then say, okay, if you go over this, well, then that's it for the week. And I get your phone and then taking their phone at the end of the night after a certain time, right? Like that's after, a big one. you know, you get an hour after homework and then I get your phone. Um, and then it's not in your room because they say you sleep better when your phone's not beside you. I feel like right now in my life, I have become accustomed to it, but I know I would sleep better um, if I didn't have my phone. It's literally the, fr- I am always thinking, what what time is it? What time? I'm the same way, yeah. Right, is, am I almost, do I have to wake up in 40 minutes or two hours? I don't know. And I know with the touch of my you know, finger on my screen, I can tell what time it is. And like knowing that enough just causes me to be like, shut up, go to sleep. Um, I mean, yeah. Um, I think that's, uh, I think that's vital. I mean, there's no reason a kid should have that in there because they're going to use it. it. It's kind of, it's kind of funny because one of the comments I'd like to make is, Every time we open up a new topic, what I hear is you guys being the example, you know, parents leading the charge. And, and I, and I do think that that's really vital. And it's not to say that parents have to live their, like account for every second of every time of or no. every word that comes out of their mouth, but they do have to understand that kids are sponges. They've always been sponges. They're always going to be sponges and they're going to say and do just exactly like what you said before. They're going to say and do the things that you do. So if you are constantly checking your phone, if you are constantly on social media, what do you think that they're going to want to do? On top of that, the whole attention span conversation is, is crazy. I was having a conversation the other day with, uh, with Kat's aunt 
She's uh, she's doing um, she's doing a, a thing right now on communication. She's writing a paper on communication, and she was focusing in on attention spans and how you know they're minuscule. She gave me some numbers. I can't remember what they were, but it's it's asinine. The the attention span's gone down from like thirty minutes of attention to like five. And oh, minutes. If minutes. you in marketing, if you don't get someone within the first five seconds, you're not going to get them. Yeah, that's and that's what they know. I mean, that's that's what social media and everything is it's i actually have it in my notes right here it's marketing on steroids yeah if you're grabbing your phone every second like the funny thing was when we were watching it um i had already turned off um a lot of my notifications before yeah. because i would i knew like when i was single i was trapped on this thing i was looking for the likes i was you know i understand it when people get lonely you know, they want that boost of confidence or, you know, you just want to be in touch with the outside world and everybody's doing it. Um, I ended up turning off a bunch of my notifications as we were watching the documentary. I said to Kat, cause I still find that I'm being distracted by notifications, even though there's only like two or three, I went back into my phone and I turned off everything that's not direct messaging because the way I view it is that my phone is there so I can be reached, Good point. you know, and so why not kind of re- reduce it back to what it was with a little bit more bells and whistles because there's more ways for people to message me on Facebook or or whatever. But I know that those are direct messages to me, not just some kind of news update that, to be honest with you, Tanya, I get a news update. It flashes. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I put it down. I don't even remember what I read. Yeah. Don't even remember what yeah. I read. No. So if you want to instill good habits lead from the front, like you're saying. The thing that makes me laugh though, is when people get the outrage about social media and they start, because when they were talking about being the product, you know, we're the product now, uh, they're mining our time and they're, they're mining our, our attention. Yeah. And people are like, I didn't even know that that was taking place. It's like, well, have you ever heard that old adage? Nothing is free. Like yeah. you have an email, you have social media accounts, you have all of these things that you haven't paid a dime for. And you thought that you were just, people were just doing it out of the goodness of their hearts. Yeah. Good point. It's, it's so crazy to me, but again, it goes back to what we've been talking about laying the foundations when you're younger, critical thinking, having open conversations, because even I'm, I'm not saying that everything can be avoided. Like every negative thing can be avoided. I honestly truly don't even believe that they should be. I think that there's a lot of, you know, great things that come out of failure and negativity. Uh, if, if it's supported the right way. Um, that's not to say demeaning somebody is, is in that, that category. And that's where the prior generations had it wrong. Um, as long as you're laying those foundations at the beginning and and teaching them how to ask questions and how to be mindful of situations and I'm, you're, you're getting them off to the right start. And then you're sending them out into the world because I mean, between the genes that make us up, like you've said before, friends, friends, parents, teachers, aunts, uncles, all of that kind of stuff. That's what makes you who you are. Mm -hmm. I guess one of the things in in actually thinking about that, because it sounds like you have a really good handle on the amount of impact that you have on your child. Right now, your impact is, is massive because you're you're setting up those boundaries and you're caring for that child. You're making sure that, you know, <laughs> they're there, they're being fed every, every moment of the day. But it also sounds like you have a pretty healthy understanding that at some point in time, that's not going to be the case that you're yeah. not going to be the biggest. That's a bit of a bummer. Yeah, I guess. Right. Like I, it's, 
almost like, oh man, like this part would make me emotional, but I'm going to try and hold it together. But it's uh, like, you know, they talk about all of the, and I saw a, a mom speaking about this. They talk about all of the hard milestones, right? Oh, just wait until they uh, start walking. Just wait till they start talking. Just wait until they, everything is hard, right? Everything is a hard milestone because then something else, new, uh, new uh, difficulty presents itself. Um, you know, just wait till they start school. Just wait until, you know, uh, they have to go on birth control or something. But what they don't tell you is just wait till they leave you, right? And then, and then what? Parenting doesn't end because you're always a parent, but I want to say like, but just wait until you drop them off at college or university and they have to figure it out on their own or, mm-hmm. or they move out of your house and then yeah. you're like, okay, well, what happened with all the research <laughs> I was doing for like, however many years, um, remember all that, like everything that I, every, everything I was doing, maintaining my work, all my research, everything all my meals that I was cooking was for this person. That was it, right? My meaning uh, is gone and, 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 and being a person now, <laughs> right? Like it's, that is going to be really tough and I am not looking forward to it. Um, so <laughs> I you can't already tell, but yeah, like those are going to be, I think the hardest, hardest times. We say B-I-T-I-N-G, is so tough right now, but is it? Because I just look at it as, what did I say? Sheesh. A behavioral. Yeah, think. A behavioral, uh, yeah, it's, it's just a behavioral situation right now. That's it. Yeah. That's all just it is right now. But when he leaves the house, that's not a behavioral thing. That's like, that's it. Very, yeah, that's you're, it. Off, you're off to be a person now. And, you know, it kind of makes me a little sad because then you think of your own parents, right? And you think, mm-hmm. I think of my dad. I, I'm his only, you know, biological child and thinking like, oh gosh, all of the times he talks to me about or talks about me to his colleagues and you're like, God, really? Like, really? And then you meet their his colleagues and they're like, I've heard about you. And you're like, okay, I get it. Right now I get it because I would 100% do the same thing. Yeah. I say that also don't want to be that that parent who comes off like braggy because all kids do talk, right? All sure. kids will get performance badge in soccer or whatever, right? Like until you make the Olympics or until you, you know, oh, like, okay, you want to hear something about social media? Yeah. My phone recognizes when I start to go to bed oh. and, and puts on soothing music. And that's what's happening right now. <laughs> oh that's amazing yeah are you you're not gonna be like pull a narcoleptic move on me and you just like fall asleep are you no i promise um back when max was under six months 100 percent could have done oh yes um i lost my total train of thought but yeah so like you know i'm not gonna hopefully not gonna be that kind of parent but at the same time i kind of i kind of understand it when that when that person is your whole life and you put everything you do into that person. I could only imagine how difficult that is. But I think the foresight that you have now in thinking about it, because I think most people get blindsided by it. They don't, they don't think about it. They don't realize, they don't view it as a thing. 
and they kind of make up all these stories in their minds about how, you know, oh, well, we're best friends. We're going to talk every day. And then the next thing you know, they're growing up as a little human and parents aren't the first person that they go to unless it's for money or to do the laundry. I mean, well, but the thing that I, the thing that I've experienced, the thing that I've seen is that through the evolution of the relationship with your parent, it changes so much, right? Like when I just look at my relationship with my mom and how that evolved over the years and, you know, times where I could legitimately say to people, oh man, I hate my mom so much because she did this, she did that. And, you know, my mom wasn't the, as you know, my mom wasn't the most aware and open person in a lot of ways. I love it. I mean, but, uh, but this was the reality, right? And now, and then when you get to that certain point, when you get it, right? Mm-hmm. Like what you're, what you're talking about now, it's like, I get it. Your dad is talking about you. He's proud of you. You're the biggest accomplishment that he has ever had in his life. Right. And Max is going to be that way for you. And I think that that's a really cool thing, but it's not without its emotions. Yeah, you know, it's fun. It's funny because I know we wanted to talk about uh, gendered toys and gender stereotypes, but I kind of want to end it there because I think that that was a really cool way to end it. It's it was a soft touch. It was it was it was real. You know, it's 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 real emotion and it's good. It's good emotion. We're gonna do this again um, as long as you're willing because there is a lot of stuff that I want to get into still with you that we haven't gotten into, but, uh, but I'd like to end it there if that's okay with you. Totally. Okay. Yeah. There's, I feel like there's so much more to talk about and there will be right. Like as, um, as Max ages and I learn new things and you know, um, yeah. So that was just the tip of the iceberg, but happy to end it in, uh, yeah. On that note. I love you. Love you too. Uh, and um, your your phone has told you that it's time for you to start winding down. I so know. hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you can. <laughs> Wild. <laughs> All right, we'll sign off on that. I will talk to you soon. Sounds good.